Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Movies in a Podshell podcast. I'm not 100% sure if it is episode 25, but like I said on the end of last episode, it's episode 25 because it's whatever I say it is. Next episode, you're going to tune in to episode 100. Brilliant. Right, this week we are covering an episode. The theme is going to be the an outsider the an outsider's theme and this week we're covering Carrie and the craft john as per usual i'm joined by john and there you go i've just i've you don't have a nickname this week I because you we're late say, like and the number one outsider i'm joined by john. Oh, but he didn't so oh damn i don't edit know if that's that. good or bad <laughs> oh that would have been fantastic oh that what a shame for our listeners man they they can, they can tell that we're we, we are a week late um because of the m6 we're a week late because of the m6 uh i got stuck on in traffic last week so um we ended up we can record um i mean i'm not going to be stuck on the m6 much longer because uh, i walked out my house yesterday my car had been stolen lol um <laughs> what a start to the party can only go up yeah but here we are eh? here we are uh car stolen what are you gonna do about it i wish i was joking as well john how are you tired it's no it's, been, it's a busy time of year for both of us at the moment coming up with end of year but yeah. no all good I've, I've I'd love to say I've watched those of good stuff but I haven't but the stuff I have watched I've really enjoyed and I can't wait to talk about Carrie I've, I think it's by far my favourite film that we've watched through the pod probably um that I'm buzzing like, about yeah, that I'm like because so um, okay I wasn't I was not I've expecting it deep dived um, into like the behind the scenes and I'm quite obsessed and like getting into reading more about um how um, Brian De Palma got it already, but we'll talk about that when we get onto it. But um, yeah, all good, my friend, all good. The life of a sole trader, so busy, so busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I would like to know then, uh, with the tiny amount of things you have been watching. So tell me. So I've seen. Had I seen June when I did the last episode? No, you hadn't. Oh, no, you thank hadn't. God. So I went to see June at the cinema, and uh, Jamie and I are actually going to do an episode on it next we're going to do a spoiler special because it's something we've not really done before but we've been quite keen to do so yeah what, what have we not done before a spoiler special we've done two where have you been we've done two can you name them can you name them we've done two spoiler casts go on go on we've only done 25 we've only done 24 episodes before Promising this young woman yep nailed it second one no film idea. of the year film of the year the snyder cut Oh uh, yeah, we did. Oh, Sorry. Kate's gonna be upset with you oh, when she listens. I'm gonna be in such trouble. But also, when you said 25 episodes, like looking back, it's hard to remember what I did last week. Never mind what we said. <laughs> <laughs> I've said some mad opinions. I don't remember. Yeah, this that. is true. This is true. But yeah, uh, um, maybe you could talk about Alien Three one day. Yeah, I've never got a chance to do that. So no, um, June. Right, June go on great. then. Yeah, I just June. I saw it at the cinema. Because um, I know it is available. Is it available on HBO in England as well, or is that just in America? I know. No, I don't think so. I think it's cinema only. Yeah, um, it's. I messaged Kate afterwards because she's been really excited about this film coming out, and I just said by far the most uh, best use of production value and money and budget I've ever seen all on screen. Right, like the cinematography, music, yeah. choreography, direction, the whole thing. It just looks. Uh, say a million dollars I mean these films cost more than a million dollars to make now but you know what I mean it just every frame is just jam-packed and it looks oh it's grand it's the only way I, yeah the only way I can describe it is it's just grand it's a it's I, it's a spectacle and I don't think that's it that's, I, that's the word 
I can't remember the last time I saw something in the cinema this um, this much. It's like an event, isn't it? It, it was an event for me watching this. Like it was after so long. Like this was the big. Like e- it even tipped. Like no time, no time to die. Like it blew yeah, that out of the water, in my opinion, again, in terms of production value. Yeah, but again, like that's because Bond is present day, and there's only so much you can really go nuts for in production design, right? Was you know, yeah. With something like June being a sci-fi epic, I mean, what Dennis Villeneuve—I'd never say his name right, so apologies in advance if that is wrong—but what he does really well is the way he um if uh, you've seen arrival haven't you right i have yeah i'm not that keen that okay i love i love arrival i need and so i need to probably watch it again if i'm being perfectly honest but, but i'm not on that intellectual sci-fi isn't it it isn't that 100 percent is intellectual sci-fi i'm not even gonna yeah. back down on that but the way he basically says when things are getting slow he's just like here's a massive shot of the scale of a ship in relation to an environment to kind of just remind you we're in this really amazing setting I think he does that really well and he always has such a grand scale I mean Blade Runner 2049 we've poured over before as well um, which obviously he directed and I just think yeah this film is probably not as visually stunning as Blade Runner 2049 because you don't have the neon I think a lot of the neon city to juxtapose the yeah yeah he loves a yellow doesn't he 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 loves a yellow he does love a yellow I mean Sicario I love um, Sicario I know you weren't as keen on Sicario as I was but that's a film that I really enjoyed but I think it's probably because the first time I found Sicario I wasn't expecting to find it it was one of those it was kind of like a hidden hidden gem kind of thing so I'm a victim of my own hype always I always go into something like under the skin I always use as an example like thinking I'm going to love it and then if I don't like it I'm just like I get annoyed and I'm just like damn this is this would have maybe been a six but it's now four but that's that's my problem my problem we are later going on to a question which is going to talk about remakes but out of curiosity have you seen the original Dune? No, uh, the David Lynch version, uh, no, I haven't. Um, I've heard it is, I mean, I was going to say like all of his other films, I was going to say all over the place. I mean weird, like his films are really weird. Um, probably the most down-to-earth film, best entry point you can go for is Blue Velvet, which I do really enjoy. Um, and I do really enjoy uh, Lost Highway as well, Razor which Head? is great. I haven't seen a Razorhead. Razorhead um, is like classic college studying for... Just I'm studying film. Look how weird this is. What do you think, children? Is like this. Like, yeah. There was a scene with a chicken that is just bizarre. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I've just I've just heard that like his version of June was just a bit a bit mad and it didn't really make sense. Oh, you know, no one really knows what's going on. Yeah, I think uh, from my memory of it, I watched it years ago with my dad. I, I haven't watched it recently, but my memory of it yeah. wasn't great. However, it was seven pounds on Blu-ray in Tesco. And I'm really tempted. Was it when we do the spoiler specials? Get you round, watch the original, and then okay, you're not going to buy. You're not going to. You're not going to go for the uh, Arrow Arrow release. Arrow Video. I've got a release special edition. It won't be seven pound in Tesco. But I don't particularly need to delve into the behind scenes of June. For me, well, not that. We are. I'm a big advocate of Arrow. A big advocate of Arrow on this podcast. And if they ever find really yourself listening thing. upon my dulcet tones sponsor us now don't even want your free stuff because I've already got all your blu-rays buy them all already what are you going to give me um, <laughs> I should ask what have you actually been watching that's not Carrie not The Crown well, and not Dune well I'm looking at my list and apparently not much really so I watched Rosemary's Baby I don't know if I mentioned that um, Polanski mm, right well I, I watched Rosemary's 
you feel like I might have. So I'll I'll you're going to gloss over it. Saying mm, Polanski and then pausing. Yes, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was really, really good. Really good. Um, so, I mean, I think so. I watched for your eyes only. Roger Moore. Why did you watch For Your Eyes Only? Because really? it was That's right. so random. So on, on Saturday, on, no, I know, but on know. Saturday, <laughs> wait, on Saturday, as you know, I went to a Viking burial uh, for bonfire night. So it was like a, a Viking bonfire and they had a big, all the Vikings had a fight, fake one, obviously. Um, and there was a Viking burial after and like loads of fireworks. And it was in a little village, really nice and we stayed over. For those and, who don't um, know, Jamie's always wanted to be a Viking. Like his Twitter handle used to be Duracell Viking. So he's very committed to the cause. And yeah, he's very and it's funny out to it as well. Like, you know. It's hilarious because I, I did say to I've, I, a few people said what you do on the weekend. I was like, I'm going to a Viking burial. And they're like, of course you are. <laughs> yeah, course exactly. You are. Look at of course you are. Look at you. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, I mean, it, if someone wants to say that I look like a Viking, I'm taking it. I am taking it. Um, so went to that and then was in uh, was in the, the little cabin thing and ITV was on having a little beer and For Your Eyes Only was on ITV. So I was like, yeah, let's watch this. We've got a few hours to kill. It's so bad. It's so uh, bad. For Your Eyes Only is the one when uh, they wanted to say Roger Moore can be a bad Bond as in like, he can be gritty so there's a scene there's a really famous bit where he kicks a car off a ledge which for a Roger Moore bomb was so dark and like not yeah. his thing yeah um, but the the storyline is very reminiscent of From Russia With Love because yeah, there's, it a, is, there's yeah. a device they have to um, it's not a lectern I can't remember what it's called but they have to retrieve it and it's like a coding thing it's no good and there's, That's a, what I'm there's say. a really uncomfortable bit where Bond is like trying to get with what's she called is it BB and she's like I can't remember her name she's like 18 years old and Roger yes. Moore is nearly 60 something at this point and it's just it's vile. So well, she's hideous. thrown herself at him I think and he's oh, kind of like yeah it's just it's all really, really weird really wrong I didn't anyway. like it at all um, I it's also seen Roger Moore no no I didn't like it it was horrible it's, it, um, it's stunt double who's doing all the skiing fantastic um, um, yeah there's, there's still, this is the thing like even in a band stunts bond, are great there's still some great sequences and more so with the old bonds you forget how much they used to do for real there's so much cool stuff in like the old yeah, bonds yeah there was yeah. there was there was some fun moments but it was garbage um, and then so obviously I've seen Dune as well um, then I did see so there was a big sale on at Criterion um who as listeners know i am a blue i do collect blu-rays um and criterion if you're listening as well you're also welcome to sponsor the podcast i would love that again don't need your blu-rays because I've, I've got loads of them already um it's not what i'm here for right so i watched a film called panique um now the film is a french film um by julian duvivier um so he's done loads of films um you, you, i don't know if you've heard of any of them but like pepe lamoco um anna karenina like there there is most famous films now it's 1946 kind of a film noir-esque um it's amazing so it's about um a guy who is he keeps to himself in this like small little town and basically it, he's, he's not very well liked because he just wants to keep to himself. But a woman turns up dead um, in like the Paris suburbs where where he lives. Um, and there's a there's a younger woman in town who he like kind of falls in love with. And basically they they set him up like him and this woman, like this woman and this man who's murdered the woman set set this uh, set this guy up. And it's yeah, the whole town like turns the whole town against him. And it's 
it's brilliant like it's so so good i would say it's it's on par with M and it reminded me of M in many ways. What Fritz year was this M. one, sorry? 1946. Brilliant. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll lend you the Blu-ray. Absolutely. And a great transfer from Criterion as well. Um, of course. And so, the, um, I mean, from what I've logged, that's all I've watched, which doesn't seem right because it's been three weeks. Anyway. Don't worry um, about it though. Because I finished, well, I finished Squid Game. Oh, yeah. Now, I really want to talk about this just quite briefly. So, Squid Game is the most watched TV show on Netflix ever. Now, John's already heard me like go meh, 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 meh about this. Now, everyone's like, oh my God, Squid Game's amazing. It's amazing. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I finished it. I'm like, it's so seven out of 10 it has. Now, the reason, the reason, the, the reason I really do believe this is the case is because it's hit the um your joe blogs it's hit your your big audience like your, your mcu audience that's what it's hit right and it's hit all these people that have never really i would i would imagine haven't really delved into korean cinema if people had have watched a lot of korean cinema they would know that actually the way korea looks at things is completely different from like western like western cinema like they do things you would never ever expect so like if you like the likes of old boy uh, the handmaiden um the host like all all the all these kinds of films right they we, i've seen i've seen i've seen it years ago and anyone who's watched any korean cinema would have seen it years ago and probably doesn't think it's as good as it is but but the positive point of this is it's allowing people to access this media that they might have previously ignored and if it brings a whole new wave of uh, people into Korean cinema then great the thing that annoyed me with it was and like and have you lots, seen it? Uh, no I've, I've I watched like the first two episodes and it's just as you can imagine it's not really for me it's just not bit my, too gory yeah a little bit I just yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not for me but what I was going to say was it's more so the fact of like so many people have spoke to me have been watching the dubbed version I just oh find goodness, it yeah. mad. Give like, me a break. what's so? What's wrong with the subtitles? I mean, like Pan's Labyrinth is another one. Like, I really, I really like that film. And then I remember watching it. Who was? I can't remember who wanted to watch it with me, but they wanted to watch it with the dub. And I just thought, I can't, I can't deal with that. I'd rather just watch it. How can you, you heathens? How can you? I bet those Snobby. same people, those same people, where have pineapple on pizza and have wear socks and sandals. That's them people. That is, that is them people that that watch the dub. Okay, that's yeah, that's all of them people. Like, there's a there'll be a direct correlation, direct correlation between socks and sandals, pineapple on pizza, and people that watch dub. There's a special place in hell for all you. There you go. I'm excited <laughs> at the moment because there is a new series of a uh, program that no one cares about, but I'm going to mention, which is Star Trek Lower Decks. When, <laughs> someone, when someone told me that they were making an animated cartoon of Star Trek, I was like, Star Trek's not for comedy. This is a disgrace and you shouldn't do that because I actually quite like Discovery and I just take Star Trek quite seriously. It's just so much fun and it just uh, absolutely rips itself. And it's like anyone who has good. any interest in any Star Trek series, it's so self aware. It's brilliant. Uh, the episodes are only 25 minutes long, so it's perfect Love lunch that. break fodder. Uh, which is what what's I'm a lunch break? <laughs> yeah, nah, just kidding, it. just kidding. You so, don't have lunch breaks. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just really into it. And I'm only two or three into the second season but yeah i'm into okay. it i'm doing what i mentioned on the podcast not no it's one, fine one person is going to have watched it but my favorite fine. part of that what you said though is 
I take Star Trek quite seriously. I, I do, <laughs> yeah. like that is <laughs> too that's brilliant. That's terrifying. Um, um, yeah. What about um, right? So, you, do you finish Atypical? You finish that yet? Oh my god, we've got like three episodes left, and I can't deal. I have finished Sex Education, uh, which I thought I thought season three with no spoilers was probably the best of the Sex okay. Education series. Um, Good and. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, it's, it's so hard when we can't give spoilers. But yeah, it's it's it was a really good series. I was really pleased that overall, again, gutted it's ended because we've got a long break now. Um, and then yeah, fingers crossed. Now just waiting for next thing is Stranger Things, but that's still a while away. The trailer came. I don't out. really watch TV that much, do I? No, but, you um, don't. I mean, I mean, no. Yeah, I think I think the reason I probably watch bits and bobs is probably because it's if harry and i have an evening we'll sit and watch something and atypical is one of those series we're both into but we're so close to the end i don't want it to finish because it's the most wholesome pro- we say it every time but it's mm. the most wholesome program i watch and just when it is over i will genuinely be gutted that it's it's yeah. it's finished but halfway I'm, through season three you're halfway through season three yeah yeah, yeah so halfway good. through so um yeah i was reading a lot about the cast actually and like um how the central lead He's actually from an acting family previously, so he's got quite an interesting backstory. But anyway, well, when he actually appears that. in a film that's relevant to the podcast, maybe we'll talk about it in more detail. But can we talk about a really, really good film by Brian De Palma? Um, Body Double. I, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it is also good. Well, that's go- we, we're watching it on the projector because it's fantastic. Mission Impossible 1, another good Brian De Palma film. Mate, Brian, Carly Ewell's way. Brian De Palma has got Brian De Palma's got a fantastic career. Uh, what's the one with Scarface? I have seen that. I like that. What's the one with Scarface? That one. That one. Yep. 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 Oh, you see, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we are here to talk about Brian De Palma's carry from 1976 for our Outsiders episode. So here goes. The girl no one likes and everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Help us anyone see the sin of her days and ways. John, I didn't know, out of the two, I was expecting you not to like this one. Tell me about Carrie. I'm so surprised you thought I wouldn't like this one. So Carrie is a fantastic film, which is basically about an outsider played by Sissy Spacek who plays Carrie who has a mother who is a religious nutcase is the only way I could describe her I don't really know how else to describe her yeah she's not very nice uh, at all played by Piper Laurie who was apparently yeah, a theatre actor who came back in she hadn't done films for like 10 or 15 years then got saw the yep. script and then came back in so that's really cool and uh, basically Ca- uh, Carrie the first scene everyone thinks the first scene is the shower scene but the first scene is actually them playing dodgeball outside and it is a super stylized shot going over the top and they all the girls say pass the ball to Carrie because like they know like she'll mess it up she's gonna mess it up yeah yeah, and, yeah. you know and they, and they do it and the girls are so vile to her and I watched it with a friend of the pod Peter and he just said <laughs> everyone is so vile to this girl from the off and like no apparent reason you know like in Spider-Man 2 when everyone's just so horrible to Tobey Maguire and like we're just not sure like what he yeah, did yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, what happened it, it, it is funny because like you have that scene and then it goes straight into the the shower scene right right so and then what did you say what did you <laughs> what did you say so, to each other because I wasn't there so when um, 
when Pete and I watched it, we were, again, of course, we watched it on the projector, which was which is great. Anyway, so then it went into the the changing room scene, and I and I was like, yeah, this is Jamie proper exploitative horror because everyone's nude in it. Now, I messaged Case about this. He's always very good for giving me female perspective on these films, and I said, what did you think of Carrie opening scene? Is it like completely unnecessary, or is it actually adding anything to the plot? Because mm-hmm. obviously, when it shows Sissy Spacek in the shower, you don't see anything but it's the fact like when she's in there she has her period for the first time she doesn't know what her period is so to her she thinks she's dying so she runs out and all the girls are laughing and screaming she's hysterical isn't she like horrendous and then throwing tampons at her and the actress plug it up yeah plug it up like that's really famous at the time that um that they felt like they whipped themselves into a frenzy and like they did hate her they just said they just got so into the moment and it's just weird but it's really really horrible um but the reason uh, carrie reacts the way she does because i'm a mother being very um religiously over over whatever she's decided Westboro Baptist Church mate isn't she she's pure Westboro Baptist Church I have no idea what that is but anyway so it's um, not offensive don't worry anyone who does like the Westboro Baptist Church switch off this pod because it's not for you (laughs) anyway um, so yeah uh, what was I going to say about that completely lost lost my train of thought you were going to say you were talking about um, they whipped themselves up into a frenzy in the showers um, and they were being super horrible to carry. Sorry, so yeah, I said I messaged, I, so I spoke to Kate and I basically said, is that scene necessary, what's it for? And she said she saw it as the fact of like how the women were viewed because they were, sec- like they all knew about it, so they were sexualized. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were of age and knew about it whilst Carrie was yeah. innocent and childlike and the way she holds herself in the shower is like quite... Um, almost like she's in fetal position she stood up but do you know yeah. what I mean it's it's quite innocent and well, I, th- I think it was trying to make I think that was the point they were going for because they are a lot more com- comfortable with how they are yeah. whilst Carrie is the complete opposite I think that's what the setup is um, yeah. so yeah Carrie's got loads of uh, famous scenes and the shower scene is one of them but just I hadn't quite clocked how many of Brian De Palma's films had these amazing moments of tension being built up with the use of slow motion and score and I think that's what's really held it together for me was the use of score like I always come on the pod and talk about music and I'll moan about things sounding the same or, or what have you and yeah. admittedly there are motifs in Carrie which are very similar to Psycho but that's because they just oh, kind of went you know literally there is yeah. Bernard Herman smashed it and um De Palma had worked with Bernard Herman uh, previously as a composer and uh, Bernard Herman had died before Carrie came out so they use a different composer um yeah but yeah i just the bit of the backstory de palma said he'd had this film ready for like four years before they actually got to shoot it so he had a lot of it mapped out and i think you can tell and he said that's why the film's got such a aesthetically pleasing kind of design because all the shots are really thought out it seems like quite a modern film in the way it's shot wouldn't you agree with like how it's planned? absolutely the only thing that i thought that dated it and i said this to peter at the time which is you know in the 70s and 60s you still use zoom shots quite a lot you know when like in a scene yeah well so the reason one of the reasons for that so he would use a dual lens 
so like a split lens like i don't know what the uh the it's, a, it's a split di- uh, diopter i think it's called where you get yeah the you, oh there you go yeah there we go i knew he'd know and um, so they use a split diopter lens and um, which basically what that allows you to do is focus on something far away and focus on something right in front of us and yeah, that so gives us like these juxtaposing shots yeah so in the classroom scene it's used really well because you see uh, i've forgotten his name uh you see um tommy ross his character Tommy Ross, as yeah. his poem's being read out and it's like his whole face in focus and then miles behind you see Carrie also in focus and you wouldn't yeah. be able to do that otherwise um, no but no the, the zooms I meant more so like when they're in the house and they follow through it's just kind of got that oh, oh yeah oh yes what, yes it's the first person view the, the, those kinds of shots as yeah, well like it, just, it, just, it is it does yeah in terms of that but I mean but the look, film was 1976 yeah no I know um, and also not bad few, not bad guys a few surprises for me was um, John Travolta popping up I wasn't expecting <laughs> yes, that yes of course uh, in quite a horrible role but yeah I just first first things first like I think I need to talk about Sissy Spacek like I knew she'd done Badlands before this, which I think Jamie and I didn't do for the pod, but I, I think we've discussed on the pod briefly. Oh, we will be, we will be doing it. Uh, and she was fantastic in that, but she would have been, I think she was in her mid-twenties by the time she did Carrie. Did she, was in, she was 25, 25, so she was 25 when she done this. And yeah. the production designer of the film had worked, uh, had met her on the set of Badlands, I believe, and then when he went to work on this, um, she wasn't originally going to get the role. They they were uh, picturing someone else, but she came in, put like wax in her hair, didn't shower for a few she days. Put va- yeah, so she, yeah, she put Vaseline in, Vaseline in her hair. Love that. Um, um, and looked like just a bit greasy, like and that. She, yeah, she. Um, she's, she's I want to talk brilliant. about. Sissy, I want to talk about her in a minute. Uh, should we probably tell the viewers, the listeners, what it's about? Yeah, sorry, I've given a very brief overview, but yeah, you go on, you, you do a, a proper overview. Well, it's not proper, but um, basically we, we have a girl called Carrie White. Um, she's really shy, um, I guess a, a bit a bit of a loner almost, and she's bullied, tormented by her high school peers and a religious fanatic of, the, of her mother. And she begins to use, she, well, she discovers that she has these powers of telekinesis. Um, and what that telekinesis, what telekinesis is for anyone who doesn't know is picking up cans of beer with your mind and putting them in your mouth without touching it. How good would that be? But it's basically being able to control other things. And she does get, well, she exacts revenge. She gets revenge on all the people that have bullied her but not I would say it's 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 a tough one because you don't know if she's good or bad or but we do we do we know she's good so a few points on on that so they call the ability in the film ESP don't they do they call it ESP am I making that up don't know so maybe she's researching it so it'd be remiss of me to not mention at this point that it is very much like the first uh, William Shatner pilot episode of Star Trek where uh, Gary (laughs) Uh, Gary Lockwood gets silver eyes and he he gets ESP powers and he does very similar things to Carrie but on a TV budget no I'm joking um, yeah I I wanted to know so we know that the reason Carrie's mother is the way she is is because her husband had an affair and left and then Carrie's basically yeah. taking the torment of it what we don't know is was the mother like that before he left or not we don't know I suppose it doesn't matter but that was one of the questions I had the second thing is Carrie has a cupboard basically like Harry Potter's cupboard under the stairs but unlike Harry Potter's cupboard there's a a crucifix in there with 
Now we said it wasn't actually of Jesus, it's of St. Benedict. It's not Jesus, it? no, it's another saint. It's a different saint. And they've got arrows in them. And basically Carrie sees this every single night and she's tormented. But her mum makes her go in there because she, doesn't she make her go in the first time because she says she wanted to socialise. She wants to make friends. And she's like, get in, get in the cupboard. It's yeah. just like... It's, it's, it's a punishment. It's essentially a punishment. And you can kind of see that sometimes when, when Carrie does come out of the cupboard, we we kind of see um, that, that shot of her mother, like close up of her face. And her mum's like, she. you can tell her mum's really unhappy with what she's done. Like she, she doesn't enjoy what she's done, does she, to Carrie? No, and she prays for forgiveness straight away. So it's like a really, yeah. really OTT. Uh, yeah, it's really hard no, to describe. Exactly. But she's, she's quite scary, but just like... Well, so she was playing this part because she thought it was a black comedy. So she, well, she, no, she was saying basically like she was playing it like a black comedy and Byron De Palma was like, it's not a black comedy. <laughs> it's she, not. She is a vile, vile character, but played incredibly well. Um, by Papalari. and Yeah, by Papalari. And yeah, the, a few things like the first time Carrie has a disagreement with her mom, the idea was supposed to be that they would have these rocks fall on the house but like tiny yes. little stones when they did it it just looked like rain on camera so they kind of ignored it but then it's funny because later in the film the house just sets on fire at the end of the film spoilers carry but it was supposed to like the rocks were supposed to fall and it go into the ground but yeah. because they um like they'd even shot the rocks on the interior scenes but it's not on the exterior but it, they just kind of get away with it because of the supernatural elements of the film um but no basically when carrie after this incident carrie has like her first moment when we know something's not right she's in the principal's office and he keeps getting her name wrong does he keep calling her cassie and cassie. eventually she's just like it's carrie and as she does it like he has a cigarette in a pot or something and it all moves and or something smashes is that right and then we yeah. know then that okay when she has angry outbursts bad things happen and brian de palma yeah. said it was really important to like make that the point that she wasn't trying to do bad things she was just emotional and when she reacted that's when bad things happened she wasn't actually yeah. at any point till later in the film specifically using the powers for for bad things uh and then basically the the girls from the high school who were tormented at the start uh nancy allen isn't it she who was tormented oh so yes nancy allen who we may know from another famous film when she's a little bit older an 80s 80s action film john do we know i don't know no robocop oh okay so she okay. is um she is the robocop's partner okay oh, it's been a long yeah. time since I've watched Robocop it took me a while to place her and I was like mm. um, she's she's fantastic in this though and just evil she's brilliant so you've got her so the main the main two ladies we focus on are Amy, Amy Irving who plays Sue Snell and then you've got Nancy Allen Nancy Allen who plays Chris now yeah. basically the the gym teacher the female gym teacher is um, keeping them all behind for detention for what they did to Carrie. She's amazing, the by the way. She is amazing. There's a lot of uh, girls getting slapped by the teacher, which I'm not sure is okay, but it's the 70s, so whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, Sue feels guilty, doesn't she? So Sue is the who, as an audience, we're supposed to kind of side with, which is she knows she's done something wrong and she wants Carrie to... Um, 
she wants to make it up to her and the way she does that is by she wants her to have a proper prom experience so she's almost sacrificing her her partner to go to the prom with Carrie to allow her to have like the the high school dream while yeah. um Nancy uh, sorry Chris um Nancy Allen who plays Chris Chris she thinks that Carrie's completely ruined their their social life and she's like I hate that girl I just outright hates her so she decides to make her life hell so they form this whole plan for basically for Carrie to go to the prom now well you say they so well her and her boyfriend because Sue's not in on it and you think that she is all the way through and we also think as well so clever we think um, Tommy Ross is on it as well we think who I love best head of hair I've ever seen so Sue is with Tommy and Tommy asks Carrie to to the prom and we always think he's he's going to be in on what's going to happen later in the film and i was so actually glad that he wasn't in on it i was really pleased about that however how that all turns out isn't great so chris and her boyfriend played by um the one and only john travolta which is billy nolan they come up with a plan which is they're going to change the votes to make sure that um uh, Carrie does go to the prom she goes with Tommy Ross and to make sure she wins the uh, prom, prom queen. queen and king yeah. and when they go up on stage they have blood like at the pig's start of blood. the film pig's blood in a bucket above her on stage which they're going to pour over her as she finds out she's the prom queen which is just never mind the supernatural element of the film that is just a horrible horrible thing to do on every level there's yeah there's there's quite a few so when so yeah i did want to talk about sissy spacek because this could be the greatest casting i've ever seen i i think she sissy spacek has probably has has been responsible for two of my favorite performances ever like and yeah badlands was one of them which we spoke about earlier and carrie and i hadn't seen this film for years like since i was probably a kid like um like probably a kid yeah like i I would watch all this all this stuff like with my mum like back in the day but she she is incredible like she she's like the way she plays the vulnerable character that's it to me like she's so she's just represents innocence and in bad yeah the femininity innocence vulnerability but then but then intensity as well she she just has this way about her like this way she carries herself and it's incredible like she says like there's a there's a bit where she's like no mama you're not gonna like i'm going to the prom and you're not gonna stop me yeah and, and you, then you can feel the determination right yeah like and and she's like she's not like you think at first she's a bit of an idiot like and you think that she's um yeah like she's just a bit of a loser but she's not like she's normal and she just kind of what she wants to be kind of left alone a little bit, but she also wants to be part of part of things. So when um, Tommy Ross, he's trying to like, we've seen it a million times in, in all these, like uh, she's all that and 10 things I hate about you. When, 10 things I when, hate about you because of the head of hair. Just, just, well, just for that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's blonde. Yeah. But when the guy is trying to convince the girl to go to the prom for the wrong reasons. But in this case, like Tommy is actually doing it for the right reasons. And he, he does want to take her like on a nice night, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the, yeah, like we, we, he's trying to like convince her. And, and this, there's this, there's quite some quite funny moments in the film. He says to her, um, 
oh yeah she's in the she's in the library and she's got all these books and she's reading about telekinesis because she's like what the hell's going on with me and he's like uh well what you, what you reading and she's like a book about sewing <laughs> yeah, i just yeah, like yeah. cracked up at that man because she just the way she delivers her lines um i can't believe she's 25 but the way she delivers her lines just the way she is in every single scene and the pure build-up and intensity we get in that last school scene with her eyes wide open and like you can see the whites of her eyes it's incredible she is incredible i don't why are people not talking about her more um she's also in one of my favorite tv shows or i think i've mentioned before she's in bloodline and the first series of bloodline is it's, it's one of those netflix shows where it was a perfect one and done and then they did two more series and i really wasn't into it uh, well i know yeah. that's a lie I, I stuck it out but like the first season was like really good it had ben mendelson in it, it had kyle pedley uh, kyle pedley yes you spoke about this before uh um and Ben Mendelsohn in it before he was when he was on the up but before he was kind of massive um, so yeah, yeah it, it was just yeah it was a good show and uh, she is the mother in that show of, of the family and she I was should probably check very that out. very good in that um, as I said watch the first series ignore the rest so kims.cinema.escape writes in and she says who gives the more iconic performance Sissy Spacek or Piper Laurie John, over to you first. Uh, I don't... Oh, that's hard. I mean, probably Sissy still, because I think Sissy's is more, like, um, reserved nuanced. and nuanced. But um, I think Piper Laurie is amazing, and when they go hammer and tongs at each other, it's fantastic. There's no two ways about it. Um, yeah. And I know that Sissy said in the behind the scenes that she loved the days when she got to do the scenes with Piper because they were just going to town on each other and she said it was like proper theatre acting they could really get into it and just you know try different things and and i think De Palma sounds like a, a, a director at that point who was very open for them kind of rehearsing things and just going with it because yeah i think it was on a small enough scale he could kind of get away with that mm-hmm. and it sounds like he did a lot in the rehearsal stage and then when they were on set he was like i'm gonna focus on the camera now so if you guys want to try stuff that's fine i'm just gonna make yeah. sure it's shot right and again yeah. that's kind of similar to really scott so interesting hmm okay not not a like a control freak like the likes of fincher and kubrick that kind of thing yeah and look directors have different styles and and yeah they do of course yeah it's interesting i i like lots of different directors with lots of different styles i mean i've no idea what Zack snyder's direction style is for example i've got a scooby but i've got no idea either actually yeah would like to know i think he's better be quite cool to be on set with yeah Um, probably especially just to look at working out in the corner just yeah yeah, hottest hottest working director how about you with um with Sissy Spacek or Piper Laurie for best performance I mean we'll listen to what all the things I've just said about Sissy Spacek I can't see past her um Piper Laurie really reminds me of Kathy Bates in uh Misery really does like that those two performances of uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Kathy Bates kind of was inspired by this performance yeah, okay but again Sissy Spacek the way she the the nuance of the performance and the innocence and it was the most perfect casting I've ever seen in my life. I don't I don't know what else to say. Like she's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's the, the these two performances, uh, that and Badlands are honestly. I'll say it again. Two two of my favorite ever. Two of my favorite ever. Yeah. I, I, um, so yeah. Um, Kim, to answer your question, uh, it's got to be Sissy Spacek from both of us. What about you? What do you think? Hey, tell us. Write in at. 
movies in a pod show at gmail.com so the key sequence I really want to discuss is well I've got two actually so there's the time when uh, Carrie's eventually says no to her mom so that's when Love things it. are starting to change and yeah. we're kind of we're kind of with with Cassie uh, sorry with Cassie <laughs> bloody hell we're with Carrie at this point no, you're as bad as that teacher I'm bad man. as the head teacher no wonder yeah. everything went wrong um, and uh, first so sorry when we see that she slept to her for the first time there's a really funny bit where the, um, her mum says oh I would have known it was you were being red and like she's not even wearing red that's just a line that was in, in the book that they kept for the script even though it didn't fit the film but they said okay. it made her seem more crazy Piper Laurie seemed more crazy so I'm like yeah just leave it in leave it in love it so I love that and one of my favourite lines in the film was take that thing off and burn it so we can pray for forgiveness I just thought that was great so yeah you mentioned that to me and I, I, was, I, I couldn't remember and you didn't remember it and it really upset me but yeah I just it just the way she delivered it was fantastic so I was well up for that um, so then yeah the prom night is obviously the sequence everyone knows about like I had no idea what Carrie was about but I knew I knew the famous shot was her covered in blood at some point and fire. That's all I knew, right? That's blood like, and fire. That was my the, two favourites. That, um, that was the imagery I'd seen of the film. So, well, can, I was just going to say, like, the, well, the bit when she asks her mum to go to the prom, are you going to talk about that? Yeah, go for it. No, you, you, you talk us through. Well, no. Well, it was it's simply that. Um, well, Billy Billy manages to convince her finally to go. Oh, is it Billy? No, it's Bobby. Tommy. Tommy Ross Billy Bobby Tommy Ross all three of y'all get down to that prom now there you go that's my um, yeah that's for you Chandra if you're listening Um, that's my southern accent Um, she asks so she asks to go to the prom like after finally after um, Tommy's convinced her um, and then the mum her mum goes mad so she's like she has to go to the prom mum goes mad she throws water on her and you hear that psycho sound clip again the stab 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 kind of yeah. sound yeah hey, hey, hey. like you hear that again and you hear it a few times for it there's a couple of little bits that there, w- there was also a long shot um and this was made two years before halloween remember so there's a long shot where you see carrie walking down that i i don't care what anyone says john carpenter has been inspired by that for halloween this the scene where he pops out the bushes like hello um it's me michael um the, the scene where he pops out the bushes 100 percent inspired by this anyway um i digress her mum throws water on her you get the psycho sound clip and she's like and then carrie's just had enough because she's been stuck in stuck in that room so often she's like you i'm going mama yeah i'm going mama things are going to change around here and there you go i love it yeah i love it and she gets sent to the cupboard instead does she send the mum to the cupboard? I'm sure she sends the mum to the cupboard. No, she says, you know, you wait here till I get back. But her mum, I presume because of the powers, she can't move. It's quite eerie. And another thing, like production design wise here, the house is like, looks quite like a gothic church interior. So there's mm. a few candles at the start. It does, yeah, yeah, no, And it does. there's like this really famous uh, the dinner scene that you're talking about when they talk about, she asks about going to the prom and then her mum says no. Yeah. They're, they're like, it starts thunder and lightning as they're at the table and it's like there's a one light source on uh, on um Carrie one light source on Margaret at the side of the table and then it's just yeah. pitch black in the middle and it's just like the table from the last supper there's just lots of like yeah 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 um, there's loads of iconography iconography yeah, in brilliant. there and it's quite obvious it's in there it's not you know but um, no no it's not they're not hidden no no they're not hidden but what's really funny is like 
when Carrie returns after the prom we'll get into what happens at the prom but when she returns after the prom like it's gone from that to a full-blown cathedral there are so many candles lit and then the production designer was like how are we going to justify how this woman has just lit like a thousand cam- uh, candles like around the house he's like and the department's like it doesn't matter like the audience is so invested by this point they'll just accept anything and I think that yeah. is 100% true because you just oh, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not so invested in the, in the story uh, and like he, the production designer said his idea was that every time she went to church she stole a candle so that's why they said any and I was like okay I'm behind that so yeah we've got to talk about obviously the scene which is the tuxedo scene uh, where he, he do, do you know Tommy what doesn't like ruffles that is the one bit I didn't like you know when they speed up the film what no no when they speed up the oh, film oh they speed it yeah I'm not right, about okay. that even when I watch old Bonds and they speed speed up action that always annoys me it's one of those things that I just well, find really dated and like we just don't do anymore I mean in the, yeah. actually in the 2000s there was a resurgence of that of speed ramping the other way when like they sped things up and slowed it down but not like right. in a good way die another well, day I like this when they kind of like fly over the ice and then go to the car chase um well I just love the writing in that bit where he's where they're having that back and forth it's like a John Hughes film even even that bit where they don't like take it so seriously like yeah and he's like um he's like you you gotta wear a tuxedo he's like no 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 I don't like tuxedos he's like he's like why not he's like you should just wear one he's like I don't have a tuxedo body like and all that like I just think that back and forth is hilarious yeah and it, and it breaks the tension because De Palma talks about the fact of you can't just have people on edge for an entire horror film and he says that's the problem with the modern ones because people yeah. are just they set you on edge the whole way and jump scare throughout so yeah. he talks about like the rhythm of letting it go uh, I don't know why I'm pointing at Jamie on camera when we're doing an audio podcast but kind of letting things level out then you have a peak and then you go down low and then you give them a rest and then you jump it up again because otherwise if you're yeah. just always on edge it doesn't really work with with, uh, with the scares when they do come so by the time we get to the prom you know something bad's going to happen you're just waiting for it to happen yeah, so yeah. you see uh uh, Carrie speaks to the, we, we haven't really spoke much about the gym teacher and I think we're doing a disservice Miss Collins has really looked out for Carrie and she's like you should go to the prom you should make efforts to socialise like I'll take you under my wing and in my mind she is the real mother motherly figure to Carrie that's the like the mum she wants she wants someone to just help her yeah she's brave. and she whooping reminds them, she's been whooping them girls in the yeah, face she, as well like so funny and she very much reminds me of uh, Tina Fey's character in Mean Girls which James is going to tell me off for but 100% like uh, Pete and I were just like that's what the inspiration fine, must be. Fine. Well, I mean, why and wouldn't we talk fine. about why wouldn't we talk about um, teen dramas um, exactly? On the pod? Essentially, that kind of is what Carrie is basing itself off. It's like wrapped in that world. Carrie's basing itself off Mean Girls, yeah. No, off a teen drama. <laughs> but anyway, joking, uh, and then yeah, at the prom, like Carrie gets her moment where Tommy says to her, "Let's go and dance," and she's like, "I've never danced before." So they're dancing for the first time, and Department wanted to capture kind of the the magic and the like um, you know the whimsical moment so the camera flies around them like 360 and they're dancing around the other way that shot made me feel slightly sick because it holds for a long time it's ages isn't it yeah and, and that's when she, she asks him um, why did you invite me to the prom yeah and it's really sad and just that's the thing with Sissy's face it like you, you, even though Carrie's un, already starting to do some questionable things by this point you still really feel for her and you want her you want things to go well yeah yeah oh yeah there's not one point in that film where I feel genuinely that she's the bad guy like even when there's like 
loads of people on fire i'm like yeah you go girl like you get them no nah. you get them they wronged you i was gonna say you're so- the prom queen get them no nah, the, the problem <laughs> more fire <laughs> the problem's when it goes south fast no the, after the dance though like um they get the bit where they get caught up on stage and i think for me what i love about the film is basically just this sequence like it is absolutely incredible from when they get called up onto the stage so the composer so i don't do him a disservice is called pino Danaggio, i believe is how you say it okay welcome back to movies in a pod show we've just had a little bit of technical difficulties it sounds like this someone's in john's room blowing a gale and uh, we think it's maybe potentially his um cable so you might just have to bear with us a wee bit we we're just talking about um, the the penultimate scene in Carrie when um, the, we've got the the Herman the Bernard Herman esque score. John, carry by, on by Brian uh, by Brian Depart by Pino Danaggio. Pino Danaggio. Yeah, and yeah, I absolutely adore how much it sounds like a Hitchcockian soundtrack at this point. And everything slows down. We see Carrie walking up to the stage with Tommy as they have they've been announced as the prom king and queen. We see everyone's reactions. Some people are genuinely delighted for them and clapping their hands. Some of the teachers are buzzing because they're like Carrie's integrated. And then we see um, John Travolta's character and his girlfriend, who I've just forgotten the name of. Sorry, Jamie. Uh, and they are underneath the stage with a rope which leads all the way up to the top with pig's blood in it yeah and we think at this point that um tommy's girlfriend's in on it as well um and she's and we like we we it, every, all the camp the weather the way the camera points to her all those things you think that she's in on it but it turns out she's not like she's actually like sees it and she's horrified yeah so sue sees the trap and she tries to stop it and what Brian De Palma said is amazing in this scene is like everyone tries to do the right thing but inevitably does the wrong thing so her boyfriend is Tommy who Carrie's gone to the prom with so when the gym teacher sees and Miss Collins sees the fact that Sue is by the stage she thinks she's jealous of Carrie and she thinks she's trying to do something bad to mm-hmm. carry so that so she goes to stop her little does she know that underneath the stage that you've got billy and chris sorry so john travolta's partner's called chris in the film um they are the ones under the stage that have got the rope ready for the bucket to go down but they don't yeah. notice that because she's too busy dealing with uh sue and then yeah it's just horrible when they actually get there on the stage you know it's coming and there's lots of tight shots of the rope yeah. a few too many tight shots of the rope but there's a few you know the oh in of, your opinion a like, few too many brian you know like just just kind of like jagging yeah. it about but a well, few times but at that point the music stops and it's just it's just silent and then when the rope is pulled um you, all you can hear is the sound of the bucket and the rope and that is it um and it goes into like split screen doesn't it so when you sit here the bucket it keeps hitting off the off the top of the bar because i wonder like what the noise was when it kept going oh, so Peter and i were like why, why is it still making the noise because yeah. it was like still hitting the thing but yeah then we get some split screen now brian de palmer initially wanted a lot more split screen in the sequence but he just couldn't get it to work and he said the action didn't work as well in split screen but uh carrie 
is like blood stained like obviously she's in this dress which is very like uh, virginal colours or whatever like you'd associate with a wedding almost like a, a yeah, gown like an angelic almost isn't it and then as she opens her eyes wide uh, is when the powers come out and she does all sorts of things from uh, did you say awesome things all sorts of things I thought you said awesome because it's pretty awesome as uh, getting the hoses to spray people down I mean by the way one of the extras who did that like burst a bloody eardrum doing that oh wow yeah not good not good there's uh, incredible visuals in this scene yeah incredible. talk us through it talk us through it well so for starters it's called Bates High School named after Bates Motel um, so we've, we've got that for starters um, apparently this took 35 shots so like reshoot, they reshot it 35 times and you've, you've essentially got just anarchy you've got five things bursting into flames um, like John said you've got these um, massive uh, fire hoses just like shooting people down like you, when you see um, almost crowd control like from the from the police you see like that is that kind of thing and just just anarchy really like people on fire people dying um, and everyone getting exactly what they deserved from Carrie for bullying her like um, I mean, I'm just I'm just kidding I'm just kidding yeah, but I, I mean there are definitely some innocent bystanders so for example when Carrie looks at everyone her mother always told the fact that she would be um, oh yes she would be let down let down she'd be humiliated she'd be laughed at they're, they're all gonna laugh at you they're all gonna yeah. laugh at you and then obviously it comes true they do laugh at her and then at that point we're like yeah he's not gonna come so she says it in the house there's a dutch angle so there's this is dutch angle and it says um he's not gonna come and they're all gonna laugh at you and that's like the re- that's a really sad sad bit that because it's kind of like we, we kind of know every, that's how it's going to end everyone's going to laugh at her. she's going to get humiliated somehow um, but she does she kind of like does get humiliated and then her mum's right in a way and so she basically just totals the whole school um, and, and part of me thinks it's involuntary like I don't think it's voluntary I, I think she starts to get a bit of control over the powers but she does and, and like it's the anger she's got when it happens but also like um, I love the fact that the room just goes completely red you know like you get oh, like, yeah, of, like uh, yeah. photography like what's it called like the black light kind of thing yeah. it's really really cool so when she's doing the eyes like the whites of her eyes really stand out against like the backdrop of the red and the black uh, so yeah I don't I, this was my debate like how much is she in control um, yeah I don't know no, well yeah and so and so that was like that I, I would I was thinking about that as well like how much is she in control but at the same time it's like we we know she's in more control than than she was because for starters like when when she does eventually go home like she's upset and she goes home after she's killed many many people we we see her like sort of pin her mother to the is, does she pin her mother to the bed before or after i thought it was before she went there it is before so then because so she we, says, I like, guess you will wait here till i get back yeah exactly so i guess we do know we do know that she kind of does have control over it but at the same time what happens when we lose our temper what happens when we lose our temper it's called losing your temper that like yeah, she, she after being control, yeah all of this all of this leads up like and the, the bullying the hurt she's gone through the, the things that these people do to her and she's finally finally let her guard down and they've done this to her and so it's like the final straw do, do does everyone need to die no 
but is it fun that everyone dies yeah so much fun so really interesting like Brian Lepan wanted to make it really clear that this wasn't just a thing that people imagined happened at the school and like yeah. it wasn't in her brain just in her mind sorry yeah. um, so they have the scene afterwards which is she sees um, uh, John Travolta's character Billy and uh, Chris es- escape and they're in a red car and the car comes towards her at high speed oh, yeah. and she does the look and there's like a triple um, jump cut of like close-ups of her eyes and then they they um, she makes the car avoid her because it's going to come at her head on and she and she basically like force it with her mind to like flip and roll and it blows up which is a really cool scene yeah no it, it's, it's cool but and I guess we don't need to talk about what happens at the end really like we don't need to spoil the whole film um, because I mean we have another film to talk about but was there anything else you wanted to say on Carrie um, I just wanted to say that I think of the department films I've seen so I've seen The Untouchables which has the famous sequence in slow motion yeah, with the staircase and yeah. there's um, I know it's not like one of his big films but it's a film of his I've seen in Mission Impossible there's a sequence when Ethan Hunt learns that he's been lied to and he works it out and it's all in slow motion and it's like yeah. the revelation of your brain unraveling these things right so it's the use of slow motion and score and I'm big into as we've said into my scores so I really enjoyed uh, the score for this film and yeah the way he, he utilised it and then as you said also the way he utilised the silence afterwards and like the yeah. music that plays towards the end it's almost like a weird lullaby because like um, Carrie just wants her mum to love her and to hold her and she only yeah. holds her at the end when she's literally trying to kill her so it's uh, yeah. yeah I think this is a masterclass in direction to be honest from De Palma and I think that you, I, th- I really do think you will enjoy um I think you will enjoy Body Double. The reason why I think you will enjoy it is because it's a rear window. It's it's a a homage to rear window, but it's absolutely wild. Like, it's absolutely wild. And that's why I'm I'm just really excited to watch that with you. I'm so excited. I'm ready to watch that again. So we should do that soon. Yeah, that sounds right up my street. Yeah. But anyway, we've spoken about Carrie. We've gushed about Sissy Spacek. Um, I guess it's now time... To talk about a film that, I, to be honest, I thought you would absolutely love, but you liked, I think. Uh, the film we're talking about is 1996, Andrew Fleming's The Craft. They were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. So... Well, so this does have a bit of gothic mean girls about it, I thought. This also has a bit of... Gen- well, Jennifer's body has a bit of this in it. Tell me, like, what... what tell me about this, then. Tell, what, tell the viewers, give because I've not really heard you talk about this much. I just know that you were not that keen. This feels for me like uh, Joss Whedon saw this and then thought Buffy could happen on TV, right? <laughs> right. No, I... I I thought I thought it was okay. I mean, I know you've got a big soft spot because you yeah. like you love the fact that it stars some of your famous um, some of your famous some of your favorite actresses who were in the Scream series. So I completely get that. Um, but yeah, yeah. My my thoughts on it were this. So basically, it's the idea of like witchcraft is real, and there's basically three teenagers yeah. at school, and then a new uh, girl arrives, and we find out later in the film that her mother was a witch. So she's called Sarah and uh, Sarah arrives and then 
they say like there's uh, four elements and we need one person to represent that element to complete our group and she comes in yep. to, to do that and yeah that's that's what we see and then basically it's kind of a lesson of you can't have everything your own way because they use their power for their own gain yeah and as the film goes there's like a really great sequence when like everything's going right like they essentially win uh life insurance so so it's like the sequence in um spider-man 3 when uh toby Maguire's uh walking down the street like loving life like yeah yeah (laughs) so you've got um so sarah so sorry so sarah's mother died and we don't know at this point she was a witch so she's moving the dad to a new town so she's like the new witch on the block she's the audience's way in because we understand the powers through how she's exposed to them You've then got yeah. uh, Nancy. Nancy is the character who is the witch with the downfall, right? She gets power hungry. And That's it, yeah. She wants to get away from her lifestyle because she lives in a trailer with her mom. She's, I don't, and like, she's estranged from her dad and she basically wants, wants a better life. Like, um, yeah. And, and then Neve Campbell's character, Bonnie, like, she has scars from an incident and she just wants the scars to go away. To They've all got it. something, yeah. They've definitely all got and something. And then um, Rochelle, like, there's a horrible scene really early on where there's a horrendous racist moment, which is supposed to be there, by the way, because it's like trying to show, like, how horrible these girls are to her. Yeah, no, and yeah. At she, least it's so bad, though. It is so bad, like, and she just wants to be. Um, she well, she what did what was her her thing? She wanted she wanted revenge on them. I know that much. But like, what did she? Yeah, she so be, I mean, she, she wanted to be approved. Like she wanted to fit in. I I, I guess. I, I, I guess she 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 did want revenge um, because the so the the girl that's really nasty to her, uh, Laura, I think her name is. Um, she is uh, the, like I guess typical prom queen. What you would expect, like. Uh, beautiful blonde um just cookie cutter what what you would expect and she's just extremely racist she, um and she's nasty super vile to no, she's vile to all of them anyway but she's she especially is, yeah. vile to to uh, rachel's character rochelle and it's it's really really horrible it really honestly even for a 90s film it caught me off guard like and i would text you yeah, and say me too, God, me too. Like, that yeah, yeah. was shocking i mean well, i think that i think, I think it's what's what's said i think specifically what's said is quite hurtful um to like to the to the black community like i it's and it's not it's not even what you would expect it's not it's not the n-word it's it's just some other things watch the film and see it like but it's just it's pretty horrendous like um me like me knowing people like from that from that culture like i know that it's like just a super hurtful thing to say and i've never heard it seen on i've never had on screen before so i was like really super shocked no, i i hadn't either. um the, aside from that the the other character in me is chris hooker so chris is played by skeet Ulrich, who jamie knows yes. from of course scream scream yeah he's the boyfriend in scream and uh sarah bailey likes him they go on one date and she won't sleep with him and he basically tells the whole school they've slept together Mm. and uh she's a she's a crappy lay his words and then uh she realizes at that point she's outcast that's when she joins the witch fraternity the craft that's when she joins nancy and bonnie michelle so all that uh, sarah wants is to be noticed by chris so she she essentially does a love spell on him and he becomes so obsessed and it goes so downhill she, she he eventually tries to rape her right like there's no two ways about it oh yeah oh yeah no he does yeah yeah he does yeah he does yeah it's um yeah it's all just uh john slamming his mic down because it sounds like he's got a gale force wind inside of his bedroom um but no he does he does try and rape her he 
he was originally so the casting of this film is quite interesting because originally it was supposed to just be four so four white girls um for example um and so i was watching uh some like behind the scenes stuff because i have i have the blu-ray obviously um and rachel true who plays rochelle like she was actually saying like how how happy like and how buzzing she was that in the 90s like she got to like represent i think her words were um her exact words in from the documentary was that like like that i got to i i got the, the representation there for little brown girls that are running around like I, i'm there for them like and you just don't see that in like the 90s at all and you don't like and it and it's it is nice that they did like they did do that but then you mentioned something that um about apparently she wasn't on any of the uh any of the marketing materials she wasn't invited to like the press tours and stuff so like they made all that fuss about saying like what they were doing and how she was you know she wanted to represent the character and then she was basically completely ignored when they were promoting the film which is just really grim so anyway I love marketing yeah. marketing department's fantastic though yeah I mean um, we spoke about the marketing department and Jennifer's body and how terrible that yeah, that's was what I mean. so yeah, that's, yeah. that's twice on the bounce but um, a few a few points to me about the film it did feel quite set bound to me like that was one of the, my big takeaways when I first watched it okay um, like the house that Sarah's in felt very stage to me like it was a set yeah yeah but the, the school the high school stuff felt like it was on location that worked for me um, but yeah there's some quite creepy scenes so it's not an outright scary film. it's a bit like Jennifer's body like there's scary moments in it but I wouldn't say it's like a really do you know what I mean it's a really scary film there's, there's some jump scares in there the scene that really weirded me out is when they're they're crafted uh, deep um, they're diving deeper and deeper into it so we see that Neve Campbell's character Bonnie like she's starting to get her scars removed because they're becoming more powerful the witches are becoming more powerful yeah, so they can actually that's it, yeah. but what they think they do really well is they make you question it which is she's actually having this special therapy at the same time through science yeah, and it's yeah. like okay science so, is it science or is it religion well you know is it witchcraft that's that's fixing you at this point like we don't know and yeah. I thought that was quite an interesting take and then Nancy's like not happy until literally her stepdad dies of a heart attack and inherit a load of money and they get an apartment by the way Nancy's I think Nancy's my favourite out of out of the four of them like she what an incredible performance she's by a good um, baddie Farooza Bulk um, yeah and, and do you know in real life she actually is fully into all this like she 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 is she practices like witchcraft and stuff like she she is fully into it and like loves it allegedly allegedly <laughs> no it says it on the, it says it on the it documentary that I watched. must be true it says it on the documentary that i watched i think it comes out of oh, i don't know if she actually said it but um so i've heard allegedly it's interesting <laughs> as well like um brecklin uh, you know sorry brecken mayer's in this like he's a famous guy from like the 90s right with the brown slick back hair he's in rat race is where i know him from i don't know oh rat race your top five favorite comedies he's got mr bean in it so <laughs> it's up there has it oh it has it's got Ron Atkinson <laughs> he's literally playing Mr Bean but not not saying it's Mr Bean um, yeah anyway so yeah like basically again much like Carrie we know things are building to things going wrong because we know like the witch is becoming all powerful and they're using it for selfish gains it's going to come back on them but basically the craft turn on, on uh, Sarah because Sarah's like we need to stop doing this so um Rochelle Rachel True's character Rochelle makes uh, her tormentors hair fall out like every single day and there's like yes. a really horrible scene yeah. where she's like in the shower and it's all coming out 
and um, she's trying to strip her of her beauty because that's the thing that she was basically chastising her for yeah um, so yeah and then basically like I think they realise their powers are they're using for the wrong things but Nancy kind of says well screw them screw society we can become the most powerful people ever and we're just going to carry on with that and then basically Rochelle and Bonnie are too afraid to leave while Sarah isn't so Sarah yeah. leaves and then basically it all boils down to a big fight of look um, the girls try and kill Sarah don't they like there's no two ways about it like, oh yeah, yeah of course they do yeah, yeah. The craft. Like, yeah, yeah. but weirdly like not only does Nancy do it like she's convinced Bonnie and Rochelle and they're not under the influence yeah. they are just outright just deciding that you know it'll be easier if she's not around yeah um, and yeah it basically all boils down to a big fight in a in a, in a haunted house like the house like the, the dad buys that, that Sarah moves into is a crappy house isn't it from the off like there's leaks everywhere there's random snakes lots of mirrors big wardrobes yeah yeah, yeah. I mean yeah the, so the end yeah the, the haunted house bit isn't isn't my favourite bit but I, I do love a lot of the a lot like there's there's just so many different scenes that I do love like and different like they're, they're just quite harsh to each other so like for example um you've got like uh so i think sarah's got um scars on her wrists and uh nancy i think says to her oh man you're so punk rock for slitting your wrists and i was just like oh my goodness like and then there's um there's like the bit where the guy there's a man on the road i think he's been so he's chasing sarah and he gets run over and he gets he goes underneath the car and it looks so good in terms oh, of like yeah so in town yeah. like there's a guy so that we're trying to work out I didn't get his relevance at the end so is he someone that's just so fey with the spirit world and he knows like I think so yeah or? I think so I think he knows that they're witches um, it seemed it seemed that they're a coven aren't they like he's trying to say to her from the off like it's gonna all turn on you he is right like and he says something about the snake there's like a representation of the snake I don't know whether yeah, it's yeah. like the, the you know like the classical version which is you know temptation and whatever but the classical version you know what i mean yeah no i do yeah <laughs> just joking. Biblical, aren't they? um i did think the um the effects of the film were pretty good apart from the the worst one was when they were changing color of their hair that was terrible oh uh, so but everything else was all right sarah bailey wore a wig through the entirety of this film uh so she Robin did Tunney played uh, wore a wig as yeah sarah who's in who's in two films that I really love um, Empire Records which is brilliant by the way so check that out and um, I mean I know it's not a good film it was out around the same time as Rat Race actually at Vertical Limit you like Vertical Limit I've not yeah, watched man. that film in years I've no, no nor have I to but I used to love it that is. Oh, I bet God. it's terrible it's got Robin yeah. from Batman in it that's all I remember Chris O'Donnell yeah, yes mate that's it, that's it. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah I again like you can probably tell from the way Jamie and I are discussing it like it's fine like I think it's a solid 6 out of 10 I I, I wouldn't say it's a bad time like um, what I do six like about it is with Nancy's character is like when she is um, she's really jealous of Sarah and Sarah's abilities when she's trying to kill her like she is great as the baddie like the the, the girl gone bad like hellbent right I, I really like that and oh, also she's, she's fantastic the end scene when she's in the mental asylum is actually really horrific like it's really sad because yeah, it's I, kind of like she's not lying like she is that powerful she has done those things but no one believes her because they all think she's crazy it is yeah that is like, I feel really I do feel really sorry for um, Nancy yeah like and, I, and the fact I that like, like she it. manages to make us feel that way 
is a good performance do you know what i mean like you have to acknowledge these things you can't just you know so yeah i just it felt for me it's quite small scale a few mm-hmm. funny things about it though like um uh robin tunney's like outright says she's really annoyed about the fact that charmed was made after this because charmed is basically a complete ripoff and apparently the the writer and director of this film pitched to a studio and no one went with it and then a few years later it got shopped to another studio with a different team and they were like yeah let's do it and they made charmed charmed isn't as dark as this i didn't watch loads of charm but i know enough but robin tunney was like people for years kept saying oh i love you in charmed she's like i wasn't in charmed i was in the film it ripped off so how absolutely raging would you be like no um so yeah and then it's kind of sad like what we were saying about i think neve campbell went on to have a really good career afterwards really like she obviously then ended up appearing in um scream as yeah well it's the same year so scream was the same year as the craft yeah but i just feel like uh it sounds like rachel true didn't quite get much after this from what you were saying previously Okay, well, I've not seen no, I've not seen much of after afterwards. And um, then the other thing, like uh, Robin Tunney again. I uh, uh, Jamie says she's in Vertical Limit. I can't remember in Vertical Limit, but I hadn't seen her in lots of different things. But she is in a sci-fi show. She was in sorry, she was also in Prison Break. But there was a sci-fi show. I'm trying to remember the name of. I can't remember it. But she was in um, yeah, she was in a sci-fi show. But she had no like like no hair in it or something she had it like shaved they're all astral that was um well that was before. before that was before that was before the craft oh was it so she she turned up to her she turned up to her audition with no hair and they loved her and they put a wig on her and they loved her uh, okay yeah. and then like That's, she's most famous for the mentalist which means nothing to anybody but pete who listens to the pod used to be obsessed with the mentalist and it used to be an ongoing joke so. i've never heard of it what is it just some tv series it was that in castle like we went on a holiday abroad on a really nice sunny day and he decided to spend most of the day inside watching The Mentalist in Castle which I find really funny so there we go there you go then right um, so that was the that was the craft that was Carrie guess what They're bo- they both have remakes these films both have remakes so Kate Reviews Films writes in and she says um, what film needs a remake can be old can be new but sh- <laughs> <laughs> um so what film needs a remake can be old can be new but sh- right i've got one right off the bat masters of the universe uh, the 1980s masters of the universe starring dolph lundgren which i'm gonna be He-Man, honest right this is he-man um i'm gonna be honest um i love the film um i used to watch it i used to have it on vhs like and used to watch it all the time so masters of the universe is one for me and i want to do an episode called so bad it's good and yeah i want to do an episode like so bad it's good so masters of the universe 1987 um we should check that out actually because it's so much in your head imagine a Zack snyder justice league-esque version of he-man can you imagine (sighs) he-man hasn't been done it's it's been like it's just not been done properly like imagine a big budget he-man i think we've got it coming but so i would say that he-man needs a remake um because it let's be honest i don't i think the film probably is terrible um but i love it so that's one thing off the top of my head that like i'd I'd just be buzzing and they they could probably remake something like 
Fight Club as well just and make it good are you um, mad <laughs> just joking Don't just joking even. had my fishing rod out I th- had my fishing rod out I- I'm going to throw this out there and this is like kind of half dodging the question but it's true some of the best remakes are the things you don't think will get remade and then they do something with it completely different or mm. they just add a modern spin so I've got to be careful because we've been on the pod before and said oh why, why do we, we don't like remakes don't like this don't like that it's not actually true because if you look back like June which we've just raved about is a remake of a day right so hold on hold on hold on book. Sorry. You, are jump, you are jumping ahead you are jumping ahead because there is a second part to the question so you're jumping ahead apologies what is so what do you think needs a remake it can be old it can be new but it's shit so what needs a remake that that isn't very good give me your uh, answer so I've got Masters of the Universe in here um, the only other kind of things that come to mind are uh, what episode one I mean all, all of those I'm joking made I'm joking no. No, I was Harry gonna... Potter all the Harry Potters no I was going to say something like and it's controversial because I really like On A Majesty's Secret Service but if they cast Tom Hardy as Bond and did that just straight I'd be well up for it but it'd be too soon after No Time To Die because it's Bond in a relationship again and I think people are a bit bored of probably seeing that now but no um, I think it would be something like I like it when Swords and Sandals movies aren't big anymore but like, oh Jason and the Argonauts well yeah, well, I guess I guess they've done the Clash of the Titans but they weren't very good yeah. so so that's a really good Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans can you make a good one please I I, I can't remember them now but I remember just Sam Worthington like, they were more like action films rather than they're so meh yeah but I, I don't know well anyway I just I think those kind of films for me benefit from the production value and scale we can do now but to be honest most yeah, of those things are on TV like the Spartacus TV show's probably got the production value of most of that stuff now do you know what I mean just because of like how things have changed yeah I mean I've not seen Spartacus but yeah I think that's a really good shout actually like the Harry, some of the Harryhausen films like would really benefit from uh, yeah but a lot of people kind of the nostalgia like them for that the yeah it of course feels so like there's a there's a balance with that like 100,000 BC was remade and like 10,000 BC sorry 10,000 BC and part of the reason yeah part of the reason I like 10,000 BC is because it's got like the stand up dinosaurs which don't look quite right and some dodgy stop motion yeah but it's kind of part of the quirk of it I don't know so yeah well I think I think that's what the ones I'd go for but then on the other hand right so I wouldn't Kate says they have remade it and I've seen oh, it yeah, and it's no good it's rubbish it's it, right second part of the question from Kate Reviews Films do remakes have value discuss so I am yes. I am no they, I, I, right okay here's, here's my it's hard it's hard yes they do when they're done right because some of the best some some of the like we've just wrote about June and how good that is essentially it's a remake of a David Lynch film now you could say it's not a remake of that it's a remake of the book but it's still a work being adapted so it is a remake right and then yeah. there's other examples of things like essentially uh, I mean so I've got loads of ten- examples okay go so my, my main issue with remakes is this right okay yeah we've got June and I think it's I think we get like one like the top 1% you get 1% of like absolute bangers right but then we also have to sit here I've got to sit here right I've got to sit here and I've got to put up with Robocop remake I've got to sit here and I've got to put up with Total Recall remake when when they're 18s right these these gritty 18 action films and they make them 
uh, 12A to a, a, like for the for the younger audience, and that, then absolute that. trash because yeah, the original was so good. Fright Night remake. Yeah. Get out of town. But we also on this podcast not only two weeks ago raved about the thing. The thing is a remake. The Fly, a remake. Yeah, uh, so, Scorsese's Cape Fear, a remake. Yeah, as was like, um, uh, uh, the the Departed. So you've okay. got to, you know, rough with. I the do smooth, understand. Right? You've, you've got do. to accept that. I think there was a in the fifties though. The production value is different. Yeah, it's quite completely poor. different. So when you were redoing that in the eighties, it was like, wow, this is this is way better. The problem is when you've got the eighties films and then you're trying to do them like the um in 2010 or whatever yeah i don't think the leaps as big as you might think i think people but, think they can do more and they, and they do like visually it probably is technically better but then they miss the key thing of what made it good which is the characters or the story or the music or the direction and they just that's that's when it kind of gets lost for me do you know what it is for me it's remaking robocop for me is like someone remaking empire strikes back like the film is really? perfect the film is perfect right leave it alone like ho- they're remaking home alone and there's a new home alone coming out this christmas what are you doing like what are you- ah, j- <laughs> like it's it's like I, I can't even think of anything off the top of my head but, it- but but then you know yeah I, I agree and there are some things you think you can't touch it but then you know when De Palma did scarface you probably you know we yeah, but the original Scarface. I mean, I mean, I think we can all agree. When was that? The forties, nineteen forties. That's further backing up the point I just made. Then that yeah, no, it, that. and the same. You know, King Kong, King Kong, two thousand and five. Like the originals in the thirties. So that was a step up and like quite Godzilla. Godzilla's the same. Like. Twelve Monkeys, um, because that's an original. Uh, it's like a short film, isn't it? I don't know actually. I, I thought it. Twelve Monkeys like was original. Old French, like okay. Um, so can can you and I agree on this then? Can you can you and I agree on this? Um, I don't know what we're agreeing on, but I think we've kind of come to a crossroads where we both agree that if a film's not very good, then we will allow it to be remade, right? If like Dune, for example. So Dune was a mess. We allow it to be remade. Um, there's been horrendous films in the past, like Spider-Man, horrendous versions of Spider-Man. We allowed it. We allow it to be remade, right? Incredible Hulk, really good example as well. The Lou Ferrigno Hulk, like as much as you might like it, ain't very good. Allow it to be remade. Now, the films that are like Total Recall, and these are the ones that just really do stick out in my goddamn mind because it winds me up. Fright Night, Total Recall. Um, Robocop, Home Alone, we're talking about 10 out of 10 perfect films and that weren't that were that were out like literally like 30 years ago and they're it's, done they're really really good leave them alone they they are in that territory though of it's about the ip right rather than the yeah remake. of course yeah they're just re- rather than remaking it because it needs to be remade it's, it's for the ip it's what happened with ghostbusters right i think that's like one of those things that I don't think didn't, I hate I hated the new one. Just leave it, like because the first two are perfect. I just, I just kind of felt like there wasn't really a massive clamour for that film. So I Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first two, the first three, well, the, the first two were amazing. The third one, not not so good, but not the where they go to Japan, but the the fact that they bring out the CGI like version, like just just leave it, please. Like but, you know, the, the I'm other- fine with Scorsese remaking Cape Fear because you're it's talking about. There's a what, one, yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. If Scorsese went and remade Robocop, or Villeneuve went and remade Robocop, it's probably going to be really good. But 
I don't, uh, so yeah sorry I, I'm getting really passionate and like quite irate I think there's a <laughs> line now between this and the soft reboot do you know what I mean like they kind of went oh people don't yeah. like prequels there was a thing for prequels and they went oh people don't like prequels and it's like people do like prequels but they learnt very quickly that if you already know who's going to survive in any film yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. there's only so Agreed. much interest in seeing how they got there, and that's in a flashback. It's not for an entire two and a half hour runtime or a trilogy of films. That's the problem. Yeah, agree. Yeah, agree. Then, then it was like, okay, you get the soft reboot, which is you have you have some of the elements, and then you kind of like muddle it around. So, I feel like you know there are some remakes that aren't dread remakes. like dread what yeah. a remake yeah no dread is a good remake but what i was about to say was star wars episode 7 is essentially a remake of a new hope just yeah and that annoyed me shuffled a lot. around right that really and, did annoy me know, and then uh, the people who criticized last jedi in its defense was the fact that they were trying to do different things they were trying to not just do empire and that's what and they love the last jedi yeah, yeah so anyway look it's more on star wars again but yeah look essentially I think there are enough good remakes to justify them, but I wish the selection process was tighter and not just because the IPs like people like that will go back to it and hammer it. But we are in a phase now of hammering IPs over and over and over again until it stops producing money. I mean, there will be another Terminator film within the next three years. Do you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, there, there will be. And yeah, of um, course, yeah. Any, any, it's, it's just exhausting, isn't it? Like any franchise has not been drained of any credibility. Yeah. They have to keep going until it literally no. won't, won't turn it over. Like Predator's got another. There's another Predator film coming out. Like the, the Predator, whatever it was called, the 20, 2018 one it failed miserably. And there's another one already coming out, but it's set in the past. So it's like an old, like they land in like eighteen hundreds Earth. And yeah, whatever. that sounds good. To be fair, it does sound good. But it does this, sound good, this yeah. is the problem, though. There will always be someone being like, this one might be the one. This could be the one. It's like every Terminator film, everyone's like, it might be like the when I watched Terminator. And I like Dark Fate. Dark Fate was fun. You I, liked it as well. I liked a lot of Dark Fate. There's some things I took uh, had issues with, but on the whole, anyway, look. Yeah. I could talk about it forever. Well, I'm fuming. Could. I'm absolutely fuming, good Kate. Good question, Kate. Good question. Um, yeah, good question, because I'm, I'm raging. Um, I'm more annoyed now than when I had my car nicked. Uh, right, so um, <laughs> that was a, that was a joke. Um, right, so we've got a few more questions left. So um, Kim's dot cinema dot escape writes in friend of the show, and she says, "How do you think the concept of supernatural powers encapsulates the outsider character type?" Okay. Well, ooh, ooh, Fancy. I've got, I've got, oh, should have prepared for this one. God, um, okay, right. So, I can start off if you've got some thinking to do. Feel free. Would you like me? Right. Okay. So, w- initially, what I think about when when that question, what it makes me feel is that usually outsider character types, they're victims of bullying, they're lonely, they. Yeah, well, they're they're basically like they yeah they 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 get bullied and stuff like they're 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 downtrodden, and so the concept that I I think that's what I'm what I'm trying to say um I think the concept of like supernatural powers like telekinesis or um, that outburst of energy is them maybe like their their sort of their reaction to the world their bravery they're lashing out right they're lashing out yeah and yeah. it comes out in those supernatural ways that's the first thing that i think about when i think of the outsider type characters that an outsider does generally we do see them go through horrible times 
I always and that's see how they show like it children or toddlers who don't fully understand what they've got yet so you know like you're learning to walk or talk yeah so there are outbursts where you go ah, because you don't know how to talk yet right and like do you, do you yeah, know I, like, yeah I remember like it was yesterday yeah, exactly right <laughs> all the time <laughs> still the same now on the phone. Um, and yeah but it's like that kind of those outbursts are just because they don't know how to control it so I think that's probably the link and like because they're isolated and they don't know social norms they're more likely to have those moments where they break because they don't mm. know how to conform or, or be normal whatever normal yeah. is but yeah so, uh, yeah and and that's what so that's why yeah I, I, I don't really have any other way of answering I'm sure you probably feel the same Kim but that I think that yeah lashing out um, non losing control and calling upon the inner demons to deal with your dirty work because you're too cowardly to do it for yourself there you go um right then so um we've got film forager writing in who hasn't written in for a while and she says who is your favorite woman in horror character johnny you can't say ripley lol yeah that's what you get that's what you get come on um uh i mean does it have to be from the films we've watched recently no no it can be from anything but I mean yeah at the moment it's just going to be Carrie because I love the fact like she just because you've just watched it and you've well, watched five watched horror films your whole entire life yeah and I love Sissy's Spacek um oh, man I don't know I know who your favourite women in horror is mate Buffy the Vampire Slayer like, there you go but there you go sort out here it's not well she's in one film but it's not I've not even seen the original film but anyway yeah but it'd be Buffy but like it, to be honest it'd be Ripley top like Ripley is just the one you literally it li- the question says Johnny yeah, you it, can't say but Ripley sh- but Chandra really meant like I just want to wind him up so you've wound me up and yeah Ripley's you've, you, you've wound me up and it's Ripley <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly no uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer 100% okay. but also Faith like in Buffy oh Faith yes there was Buffy then there was another Slayer called Kendra Kendra died and then Faith came in and Faith was like the badass naughty version of a Slayer so she was doing things she shouldn't be doing so she used to have like fights with Buffy and she was ace she came good in the end and yeah Eliza Dushku is a great one yeah okay well is that is that what you're having then yeah I'm going for it okay cool Um, I mean I guess for me it's pretty straightforward I, I don't really want to be boring like but I've, I've got no choice um, I guess uh, it's got to be Sydney from uh, oh, it's got to be it's got you might say that I'm not going to yeah it's, it's got to be like just because she completely turned everything up on its head um, and yeah it's just she's she is I know that we say that um, uh, what's her name Laurie Strode why well, can't I remember her actual uh, no, Jamie Lee Curtis I know we say it's Jamie Lee Curtis um, but yeah it's, it's got like it's got to be for me when I when I was growing up and, and do you know who else um, Lupita Nyong'o from uh, Us she's amazing as well um, another I've one that's like that film. I think it might break me yeah no she's um incredible uh so that's probably she's up and coming well i say up and coming like she's established now but she will be yeah she will be and and we, i guess a, a notable mention um nancy from uh nightmare on elm street played by heather langenkamp heather langen i'm sure it's like heather langenkamp but yeah that that's definitely um another one of my faves so yeah i think there you go um i've tried to 
not be as generic um, as you would expect, but here I am. Uh, right, so last last questions. Right, we've got a quiz, a little quiz question. Um, so as we did Carrie, which is a Stephen King adaptation, uh, Patch writes in to moviesinapodshow at gmail.com and he says, hey, bros, bros, love it. Two-parter from me again. Um, quickie pod question, ignore if you know already. Right, John, guess how many Stephen King works have been turned into movies? Guess first, Google after. Right, but how many Stephen King's works have been say, turned into movies? There's some terrible ones along the way. I'm going to say at least 20, maybe 15, you're, but I'm going to say you're 20. You're going to say I'm 20. Now. I'm sticking. I'm going to go... I'm going to go for... 25 he's prolific right so he's got so much to go at he's even prolific oh my god yeah that's the word <laughs> you, do you want to google it or shall i you google i trust you right okay so um I've, I've gone for 25 you've gone for 20 closest wins uh how many um stephen king uh books became movies Oh my days! How, how off were we on a scale of one to ten? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. So I, I was no, you said more than me though, didn't you? I Damn said twenty-five. It. Yeah. Ah, um, okay, fine. Thirty-four. The, ne- the next Google should be how many of them are actually good. <laughs> he makes uh, that makes him the living author with the most film adaptations. That's incredible. And um, Carrie was, it, was the first, quite, wasn't it? Carrie was the first and Carrie might is almost the last as well because 2017 but I'm sure Gerald's game's um, newer than that which is also good um, there's a few I do want to see actually you've got stuff like Dead Zone which I've never seen but it's got Christopher Walken it's supposed to be great um, so yeah right so uh, and then he's got a little couple of wee questions for us to finish off the pod we hope you've had fun right so um, I, I win by the way um, <laughs> thanks for that I, I kind of gauged Right. Why do you guys think the horror genre has never garnered high-level budgets like other genres? Does the lower budget force a more creative approach, or could a $250 million horror movie still work? Love you. Bye, Patch. So I think that the reason is because it's more of a risk, because audiences might not go for it, and usually... The, if you listen to Palmer, they tried to push back on every single scene in Carrie, like the blood in the shower. They didn't want it. They didn't want no. the the pig bloods um, on a on a. They talked about using confetti or other things instead. It's just like, do you know what I mean? So you imagine then saying to them, "We're going to give you two hundred and fifty million rather than you know twenty million. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like, basically, I think horror films. The reason why they get so much. Um, creative freedom as you've said and it's because they have to play around with these things like you were saying John Carpenter um, had quite a small budget for was it Halloween you mentioned previously Halloween yeah that was well, one notorious and Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, for yeah. that and was he, a super low budget to an extent Alien I mean Alien got a bit more of a kick in budget because Star Wars had been successful but it was still relatively low budget even Aliens was you'd be surprised looking back so they kind of were seen as more of a risk like they wouldn't get the audience numbers like they did well but they weren't you know they weren't like Star Wars numbers or Jaws or anything so yeah yeah, I think there's very much a correlation between risk and reward there which is they think that they that you know with a horror film it either does really really well in my mind or or pretty mediocre and, and you know it's not it's not going to go very far Yeah. so it's not worth the investment because it's quite a 
you know if you've got certain kinds of film like an action film like a general public member might go and see that i don't think a general audience member will casually see a horror film in my no, no. mind and i think that's probably part of the reasoning behind it yeah and I, and I think i would i would absolutely agree with you i think that the as soon as well for starters as soon as you put an 18 certificate on a film you get less audience watching yeah, it. so returns that's returns are already going yeah down hence hence why you've got i mean unless i mean you've got stuff like logan that did really well but um and joker i guess but hence why you've got um like I, I, I keep mentioning this part, but Total Recall and Robocop, both 18 explicit films made into 12A films to get more bums in seats. And it turns but out to be trash. Were they films that would have been 15s later down the line? Because like, I remember the first time I saw Terminator, it was an 18. And then they by might, the time yeah. it was like 10 years later, it was a 15. And then they might have been 15. Yeah, they, they might have been 15s. But anyway, there were 12As. Let's. So they were um, John. What do you think the biggest budget is on a horror film ever? Ooh, How much? Oh, no idea. I mean, are you classifying like a sci-fi one? Because something like um, this is probably going to cost like over 100 mil, right? No. Well done for you. Well done you. Well done you. So Prometheus is actually um, number eight. No, number nine on the list of... Um, How much was that for then? So it was 130 million. Uh, My Prometheus God, that's to... another film where every ounce of budget is on there on the screen, and it's still oh yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. perfect. Um, but I mean, if we're talking about horrors, I mean, the closest I wouldn't say Van Helsing is a horror, but that that cost 160 million to make. Which oh, is... is that the, the the one with Hugh Jackman and Thingy? Yes, horrendous. Yeah. Um, World War Z. Yeah, things? World War Z. Um, I, I mean, I would. I guess it is a horror because it's a zombie film at 190 million which is a disgraceful amount of money um, then you've got I Am Legend at 150 million um, which is uh, I remember quite liking I Am Legend I don't know if, if it holds up today but I haven't seen it in years I think it's a really years. good performance it's just one of those where it would have been way better if they'd used practical effects because the CG in that film was old at the time so now it's only going to have gone one way yeah so I mean so I would say that yeah people you, you, you've you hit the nail on the head John I think that what we can say after this whole month of horror that you've had is that you've learned lots haven't you you've, you've, you're here and you're very much well versed in the horror genre what, in fact I don't know am I I mean like I think that um, it's been interesting for me because remember when we watched Scream and I said hey like they keep talking about all the conventions of horror films and I've not seen any of the conventions yeah it's been interesting for me to actually see where some of this source material is or like seeing where yeah. it originates from I haven't seen any of Outright Hated but I will say that The Descent genuinely did scar me for a while and, and really put me <laughs> off like just in general um, and, I, and I wouldn't be rushing back but Carrie okay. is now a film that I will watch every October I've now decided that's a new one for the rest of I'm so I'm really glad I'm uh, really glad yeah I'm, um, I'm well into that so your perception of um, the horror genre how has it changed over this last month I think that as with all these things I think when you see some of the classics like the premium high end you can get yeah. some really good results I think there's some middling ones that I wasn't so keen on that were fine and I think also you get surprises like I'm going to watch Jennifer's Body every October as well I think I, I mean, I'm going to have a Halloween playlist that before I would have been like I'm, I'm never going to get involved with that I'm not about it but now I've yeah. had enough of a taste to be like okay and also if there's any more that kind of are that teen 
high school like, we've got loads we've got we've got loads more that we can definitely yeah. share with you. Like, I've got loads more that I can put put on some lists for you like so we, quite there's still some more classics you need to see and like I still want to see Scream 2 because I remember you saying that was actually quite good so I'd be quite yeah, is, yeah. watching Scream 2 just anyway just cause yeah we should watch that well I, I like to watch I like to watch horror all year round as you know yeah so um, so what what I've learned essentially is like I learned from Carrie that there are classics where every frame is a painting and it is like genuinely can be quite stunning and yeah. and like have these amazing moments with, I'm over with, the moon with over the moon spot. that you loved it yeah I, I, I don't know why that one's really struck a chord so much I do think a lot of it is the soundtrack but just I don't know there's just so many memorable sequences that are really well crafted and I really really stuck with me but I know we'll see what you did there well crafted <laughs> I know <laughs> Palm is really into Hitchcock and like you can tell from the way he presents that film it feels very much like that kind of style yeah um, but yeah I mean did it also reinforce like the certain parts of horror that I can't deal with such as like extreme body horror extreme violence yeah but I knew that before I went in and I still feel the same I'm still never going to be sitting down watching Hostel or Saw no, no. that's fine like I, I know my limits yeah, and even I'm not into that anymore. Like I, I, I used to like as a as a teen grown up, but I'm I'm really glad, and I'm I'm glad that you, I'm glad that a lot of my the picks did did kind of like resonate with you and you enjoyed them. Also, the thing I think the thing is another one. So if I re if I have like I, I I've done well this month, right? Yeah, you have done well. Like I would say in terms of like Jamie's the more criticism of me for a long time was I would repeat the same films a lot and. I know. I just that's just something I used to do. But comfort food, comfort food, yeah. And I think not quite comfort food because they're horrors. But when it gets to October next year and we're feeling a little bit spooky, I will. Be watching, <laughs> yeah, I, I will. Just be, funny. It's just funny that you were like feeling a little bit spooky. I will be watching the thing. I will. I will be watching Carrie. And uh, what's the other one I just said? I will be watching Jennifer's Body. Definitely. Amazing. Those three will be being watched. So that I think is a hit, and I think that's about as good as you're gonna get from me perfect so listeners as you know the next episode is going to be a june spoiler cast we've never done a spoiler cast apparently apart except the, the last so two sorry. times we did it I, you know I mean it's like a like it was a very long episode for the three hour mm. start as well Anyway. And then, and and we're we're gonna have a little think about what we're gonna pair June with. We don't want something too obvious. Maybe it has to be something like Metropolis, the beginning of sci-fi. Um, something that we Fritz Lang's Metropolis that we haven't seen. Neither of us have seen that. Um, or maybe it's something. It's gonna be our intellectual sci-fi episode. So arrival. We can we can have a think about that. We can't be arrival because it's too Denis Villeneuve. Um, but then for December. I think we decided, John, that we're going to be doing Christmas, Christmas films, films that aren't really Christmas films. So you've got Batman Returns, Batman Returns. You've got Die Hard. You've got On a Majesty's Secret Service. So many more. Cool. But, um, and we're letting um, and because I've taken the whole of October, John. John is running November. Uh, John's running December. Am I? You're running this. Oh, well, I'm, you, I'm running December. Yeah. You're going to run December. Yeah. Yeah. Game over for me. <laughs> Right. Anyway, as as usual, um, I have been uh, at Movies in a Nutshell on Instagram. Uh, Johnny has been at jcb.video. And you can write into us as all, at all as always, as always, um, at Movies in a Podshell at gmail.com. Write in with your questions, just like Patch did this week. Um, thank you so much, as always. This has been episode 25, but it might have been 24, it might have been 26. We don't care. What are you going to do about it? It's my pod. Um, tune in in two weeks time for our June spoiler cast Aruni 
thanks so much. I've been Jamie. Uh, he's been John. And we'll see you later.